Messianic Radio for a spiritually hungry world. Speak to the Rock. Get answers for your life. Find out what's missing in your Bible and why. Solace Radio. Changing lives one heart at a time. Now, let me just tell you a little bit about Lighthouse. So, I'm a little fascinated with lighthouses. I wish they were all still around. You know, they had the old lighthouse. You know, today we have the new modern technology and we don't need a lighthouse. But can you imagine back in the old days, 1800s, whenever lighthouses were first built? Can you imagine? Now, there was no GPS, right? Remember that? There was no GPS. I can't even imagine how these sailors would go from all the way to Spain and they're just leaving with some kind of what I call a, a, a quasi kind of compass because it wasn't working real well back then. But the one thing that would give them peace when they saw the lighthouse. Because the lighthouse told them from a distance there was land. And for me as a kid, I don't know, I was, I was fascinated with the water. I'm still fascinated with the water. I'm fascinated with lighthouse. I just love lighthouse. I just visited one recently. Um, when I went to, to the wedding of my uh, good friend in Bermuda, they have this lighthouse. There, and it's really, you go up on the lighthouse, you can see the whole island. But so I wanted to keep that, oh, yeah, you see the lighthouse a little bit better. You know, it's not good, good picture. So keep, keep that picture in your mind. Because, you know, you may be in a season right now where everything around you seems out of control. Maybe. Maybe it's your job. Perhaps there's trouble in your family. Or you're distressed about what's happening in the nation? That alone would distress folk. So the question is that when life seems to be falling apart, it says that even the upright can get uptight. Okay, so let me back up a little bit. So this is not a new message. This is not, there's, not, there's nothing that you haven't heard of before. You know, but I've been walking with the Lord long enough to know that sometimes, the things that you might have read five million times, that one time something happened, and it kind of jogs your memory, and it gets deep down in your spirit, although you knew it all along. So I hope there's not really new revelation, but if there is, then so be it. But mainly that as we go through the message that something would, that you would gain something from, that reminds you of something. So when we talk about you know, peace in the midst of our storm. We know that David said that uh, in Psalm 73, he says his feet almost slipped when he considered the wicked, how they prosper. Because, of course, in the physical, we know that it's hard when you look at the ungodly and they're prospering. And you might be, you might want to ask the question, well, I'm a believer. I'm the child of the king, not the small king, Kate, you know. Not the king physically. I'm a child of the master of the universe. Well, logically, you would think if I'm the child of the master of the universe, I should have more than someone who is a child of the other side, who's a child of Hasatan, right? I actually know a friend of mine years ago who had this attitude that since he was a child of God, everything that he had needed to be the best. And he lived his life in such a fashion so that if he had a bicycle, Here's the best bicycle you've ever seen. Oh, I'm not joking. If he had some golf clubs, here's the best golf clubs that money can buy, that his money can buy. So whatever he had, he felt that, that he was a child of God 
Therefore, I'm a child of the king. I need to look like a child. I need to have the best. We know Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the spirit in Galatians 5.22 is love and joy and peace. So we're not, we're, we're not going to focus on the love and the joy, but that's, that's good too. How about the peace? It's a fruit of the spirit of God. So it's not something that you can just conjure up and make up. It's a fruit of the spirit of God. So I would say that this kind of peace comes as a fruit of the spirit. And it's not a peace that the world can give. And it's not dependent on circumstance. See, we get tripped up here. So let's start at the beginning. So to, to begin with, you can't have true, lasting peace in your life unless you are in camp of God. Unless you're a child of God, you cannot have the peace that we're talking about. So unless you are, and we use the word saved just so that we understand what we're talking about. Unless you are saved, Romans 5.1 says that, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through Yeshua. Say that again. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace, and it's very important, we have peace with God through Yeshua. So then once we are saved, why then do we are still faced with the battles and storms of life that comes to all of us? So we quickly kind of realize if you live in this world long enough, you quickly realize that though you have peace with God, that the peace of God does not reign in your life. So I distinguish two things, right? So let me go back and make sure that we understand. So first of all, to have peace, you have to have peace with the maker. That's peace with God. So when you become a believer, you've made that peace with God. But see, it doesn't stop there. In order to truly have peace in your life, you now have to have the peace of God. So how, let's, let's, let's get there. So let's go to Colossians 3.15. Now if I can get in my old Bible here. It's kind of falling apart now. It's about 40 some years old. That's young, right? It must be. So let's go to Colossians 3. I think it's 3. So here's what it says. It says, and let the peace of God rule in your heart. It's not the peace with God. It's the peace of God. Rule in your heart, to which also you are called into one body, and be thankful. Let the peace of God. And I think it's uh, Philippians 4, 7. Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your heart and mind through Yeshua. Again, so we see that there's, there's the peace of God that we need to have in our lives that pass it all understanding. And that peace of God will keep our hearts and our minds through Yeshua. So when Yeshua was on the cross, I don't know if you picked this up. You know Yeshua made a will, and you know who's the beneficiary of the will? Us. It's kind of funny because I was talking to uh, one of my coworkers my, yesterday, the day before yesterday, and it's, I don't know, I guess it's when you get to be a little bit older, when you get to past 60, you start thinking about wills and all this kind of stuff. So we're talking about wills and um, the difference between a living trust and a will. Um, and of course, there's all these technical reasons to have a, a, a living trust versus a will. But at the end of the day, at a will, you are giving something to someone. So let's see what Yeshua said. Let's go to John 14, 27. 
Now, don't forget, this was when Yeshua was about to be crucified. He's about to leave. He says, peace, I leave with you. That's his will. He's giving us peace. He's leaving peace with you. My peace. That's that same peace of God that I just talked about. My peace. It's not your peace. See, don't ever make the mistake of think that this peace that you will have that pass all understanding, it's your peace. It's not your peace. If you're trying to generate your peace, you will never have peace. Because it doesn't belong to you. This is the peace of Yeshua. He says, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. This is a commandment. Yeshua is saying, I give you my peace. I want you to take it. My peace. Not the one you're trying to generate because you got a brand new car. Not the one you're trying to generate because you got a nice job or a big house. It's a peace that Yeshua gives, that is the peace of God. Now, I, I said early on, if you're not a believer, you can't even get this peace because you haven't made your peace with God yet. You got to start right there. But now, the peace to walk through any storm is the peace that Yeshua gives. It's the peace. So you have to ask yourself, well, have you accepted this peace that Yeshua gives you? Where he says, let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid, because it's the peace that Yeshua gives. It's a supernatural peace, because remember it says, it's a peace that passes all understanding. Now, this peace I'm talking about is not the absence of problem. It's not the absence of trouble. It is the additional or the addition of power and grace to overcome. And that's why it says pass all understanding, because you can be in whatever situation you're in, how bad it might be, but you can have that abiding peace that is the peace of Yeshua. Now, we know that there's a learning curve for us to get to this place. We know the Apostle Paul, we know that the disciples all have to learn this peace. Now, some may be thinking, well, everything is peaceful in my life right now, so I don't need this peace. Everything is good. I'm sailing alone smoothly. Now, I don't know if you, anybody here know Christopher Cross? Sailing, take me away. I know y'all don't know. I'm sorry. Okay. He, now, he sang the song about sailing. Now, he's not a popular guy right now because he kind of got frustrated with the, with the whole music industry, but the guy was really good back in the day. But one of the things, again, for me, Lighthouse, right? Don't forget Lighthouse, right? One of the most peaceful things for me is sailing. When you're out on the water, and I know I got kind of two sides about this. You know, I do like power boats, but I also love sailing because sailing is so peaceful. And the wind just kind of takes you. And it's one of the most calming sceneries for me. So, but we know now if you've sailed enough, if you've been on the water enough, you will, you will experience the storm. That's just the nature of it. You can sail all day, and the storm will come all of a sudden. So for those who might not be going through anything, you might just have to wait a little bit because we know that the Bible tells us that in this life we will all have trouble. So I want to talk about storms because to me there are two storms in a person's life, two storms that can come. One is what I call a correcting storm, and, and this is a storm we ourselves cause. 
Did you know that you can cause some storm in your life? Okay. What's an example? How about Jonah? Can't think of a better example. Here is Jonah, and God says, okay, Jonah, I got this ministry for you. I want you to go east. What did he decide? God, I don't like to go east. I'm going west. Just let that sink in for a second. Whenever you're outside the will of God and decide to go in your own direction, and you create your own storm, watch out. Now, let me, let me bring it back so that you don't be, you don't, I want you to be afraid because I don't care which storm you have, God's in the storm. If it's a corrective storm or a, what I call, so I have two, the, the corrective storm and the perfecting storm. Either one God is in. But I got to tell you a little secret. You better figure out what storm it is real quick. So I think I can say this. You know, I've used the scriptures on my kids for a while, and they thought I just made it up. They really did. They really did. There's a scripture in the book of Isaiah that says that when you walk in the light of your own sparks that you kindle around you, maybe we should go read it. I used to always say, hey, guys, don't walk in, the, in, the, in the, your own spark. You're like, Dad, you made that up. You did. I said, no, I didn't make it up. What is walking in the, in the, in the light of your own spark? It's walking in problems that you create. That's basically what it is. You create problems. Why? Because you don't follow after the ways of God. So a correcting storm would be a, an issue that you're going through that you actually cause. God is still in it. Now, I'm not saying God is not in it. God's going to still bring you out. Let's look at Jonah, right? But Jonah had to go through the fire of the sparks he created until he recognized that he was no match for God. See, a lot of times we're going through stuff, and we have this way of thinking, we got a way out. I got this. God's talking all the time. I still got this. God keep telling you, but no, I got this. And you're going deeper and deeper and deeper because, you know, it's that pride thing. I'm already this deep. I might as well just go a little deeper. Instead of recognizing the situation that you're in and crying out to God for the help, sometimes we sit in the issue, although God is talking. We sit in it. We lose our peace. We, did, we do see what happened to Jonah. That in the end, God did bring him out. But look at what God had to do. You ever thought about this? He is in the belly of a whale. Uh, do you know the caustic nature of the belly of a whale? Now, we know that God protected him in that. Did he have to go through that? Not really. But it's one of those storms that he created himself. Now, let's talk a little bit about the, what I call the, the, the perfecting storm. Perfecting storm is a storm that comes when you're in the will of God and God allows you to suffer for whatever the reason is. Now, you don't have to go far to figure this out. You just have to look at the life of Paul the Apostle. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 11. Second, all my little tabs are just disappearing. I mean, they're just, they're just going. I'm trying to get into the, into the electronic technology age, but I just still have a problem with so 2 Corinthians, I hope I got this right, 11. Okay, this is the Apostle Paul talking. He's comparing himself. He says, in labor, more abundantly. In stripes, above measure. In prison, more frequently. In death, often. Now, this is the storms that Paul had to go through, but it was a storm because of the ministry that he had. Remember when, when Saul was called, Yeshua told him, that he would suffer for the gospel's sake, right out front. Let's let you know. I'm calling you to suffer for the gospel's sake. 
we see all what he suffered. He says here, of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes. Five times. Three times was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Three times I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeying often, in perils of water, in perils of robbery, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and, and painfulness, in watching often, in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness. Do we need to go any further? These are all the things that Paul the Apostle suffered for the sake of the gospel. But yet, this is the same Paul the Apostle who says that <clears throat> in all these things, in all these things that he went through, he learned how to be content in whatever situation he finds himself in. How did he get there? Because he had that peace of God with him. He had the peace of Yeshua with him. You can only be content if you recognize that this life is not just about the here and now. See, if you're looking at your life and you're comparing life to here and now, you will not be content. Because God didn't promise that the here and now, that you will have all the promises that he says you will have. Yes, the kingdom of God is here and yet not in full. So, of course, we're not going to have the full benefit of the kingdom of God in our life today. But we are supposed to, in all the situations that we find ourselves in, that we're supposed to have that peace of God. Remember I said it's important to know what storm you're in? Is it a correcting storm or is it a perfecting storm? Because if you're in a correcting storm, then the fastest way of getting out of that storm is repentance. Turn back. We know the book of James shows us a roadmap how to get back in right standing and right order with God. And it also shows us how we sin. It says, but being drawn away by our lust, when lust is conceived, bring forth sin. So I was thinking about the disciples, and we know we're talking about storm and how to have peace in the storm. Let's look at an example of what the, happened to the disciples. Now, you know that, and I'm not going to go read there, but I'll, I'll, I'll kind of paraphrase it for you. The disciples had two storms that had experience with Yeshua. One was when they were in the boat. Yeshua was in the boat with them. And yes, Gus, he was asleep. Yeshua was asleep, it says, in the stern of the boat. The stern is the back. And he's asleep. So my curious mind says, well, how are you sleeping in the back where the noise is normally is? But maybe back in the day, you know, they didn't have the engines and all that stuff. Maybe it wasn't that noisy. But Yeshua was sound asleep. And I like that. And snoring. And so, and so here the, 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 the disciples is in the boat. Here comes the storm. And if I remember correctly, storm started. They didn't do anything yet. They waited until it got to the point where they were just about to die before they decided to go wake Yeshua. And then they go wake Yeshua. And of course, his question is curious. He's like, he just literally almost ignored them, spoke to the problem. He said, peace, be still. And if you read the scripture carefully, you would see what it says. It says that the water 
was just still. Now, let me just tell you, because I've been on the water many times. I've been in storms many times. When you're on the water and there's a storm, and the storm ends, it doesn't just, no. The water be churning still. The storm is gone. The wind is gone. The rain is gone. But the waves are still doing this. But when Yeshua spoke to the storm, it did this. Now, I've been on Chesapeake Bay enough to know I've seen days when the water was like this, glass. We call it glass, really just still. And, it, you know, I got to tell you, it's one of them eerie feelings when you're out there in the water that's still. You're like, it don't even look right. You, you rather have a little wave, you know. So here's Yeshua. They're coming, Master, don't you, aren't, you, aren't you worried that we're going to be, you know, we're going to drown? I find it very interesting that he didn't bother with them. He just talked to the problem. Of course, we know he was trying to teach them a lesson also here. That just as he could talk to the problem, that they could talk to them. Just as he could rebuke the waves, they could rebuke them. See, it's all here. It's all in the mind. Meaning that they didn't believe it. Now, let me show you how I know they didn't believe it. If I remember that story right, this is what they said. Who are you that the wind and the waves obey you? This is, what they, this is the apostles now. They said to Yeshua, Come on now. They was with Yeshua and still didn't understand the power of God that was, that was in Yeshua. And that that same power, of course, we, we know right now we have the, 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 the hindsight of seeing all this, right? And we know that Yeshua said the same power that raised Yeshua from the dead rests in you, rests in us. It takes a while to get down in there. That you can speak to your situation and you can watch God work. Then we see that in that storm that you can still have that peace. And that peace comes with that abiding understanding that Yeshua is there with you in the storm. If the, if the disciples had really took a little bit of time to observe the scene, just observe the scene, right? They're in the boat. So, okay, two things. We just saw they didn't really know Yeshua. Then they know of Yeshua. They didn't really know Yeshua and the depths that you're supposed to know him. But if they take a little time to look and see the situation, and if you're with the master, and the master is asleep, I'm going to sleep. He must know something. He the master. I'm going to sleep. Now, I know that's easy to say. But it goes to show that they didn't have that peace of Yeshua. They're yet to have that peace of Yeshua that was living in them. Now, I mentioned two storms that we saw in Matthew and, uh, and Thinkers in, in Mark. So let me, let me talk to you about the other storm. So there was another storm. Yeshua, at this point, had sent the disciples. He said to them, he says, you know, take the ship, boat, whatever you want to call it. Go across the Galilee. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to come meet you guys. Yeshua went up in the mountain, and the scripture said he went up in the mountain, and he was praying. The disciples took the ship, they're going across the Galilee. So let me explain a little bit about the Galilee. So I've been to Israel once, um, I don't know, 15 years ago. And if there's one place, if I had a choice to live in Israel, it'd be in the Galilee region. It just, it's country, you know? Like a lot of parts of Israel, you got these trees that look kind of raggedy, kind of scrubby-looking trees. No, they do, they do. I'm talking about them little desert trees, you know what I'm saying? They're little brown-looking-like. But when you get to the Galilee, it's nice and green. And 
We took this, um, you know, as part of the part of the tour. They 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 try to give you the same experience of Yeshua on the boat going across the Galilee. So they took us in this nice big, look like a Viking looking ship, you know. You're going across the Galilee, and it's so beautiful. So I can see. So Yeshua said, "Go across. I'm gonna stay back here." We know what happened is that they kept rowing, 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 and they weren't getting across, and the storm came. Now, what was interesting about the second storm is that Yeshua could see them and could see their peril, supernatural. He's up on the hill praying. And it says that Yeshua was praying for them. Now, think about this. Yeshua sent them. Did he know a storm was coming? Think about that. A storm that may be in your life Yeshua already knows about it. In fact, he might allow them to send that storm for you. But here's the thing that you need to realize, that in that storm, he's praying for you. Remember it says that Yeshua, where, where is Yeshua right now? Sits at the right hand of God the Father, making intercession for us in groans and moans that we can't even imagine. So when you're going through a storm, and you're trying to get your little friends to, you know, maybe I should pull that back. You're trying to get your brothers and sisters to pray for you. Don't forget, Big Papa Yeshua already got you. And you all frustrated. Big, Big Daddy already knows about it. Not only does he know about it, he's looking. If you go back to that story and read it very carefully, it says Yeshua was praying and looking out. Now here's the kicker. You've got to go back and read this. Then Yeshua comes and it says, he was about to go right by them. They still didn't recognize him. Yeshua comes, of course we know, walks on the water. He comes, calms the storm. storm is gone. So here we see again that Yeshua is the master of your circumstance. It don't matter if it's the one that you create with your own sparks or if it's the one that God is trying to perfect. Because remember, Remember, the life that we live right now, the Bible talks about that it calls it the light affliction that we go through. Now remember, I'm not the one that call light affliction. So anything you're going through that you're calling, oh, woe is me, you're heaping stuff on your own self. Whatever you're going, you should say this is a light affliction. Because that's what Yeshua says. Stop calling it what it's not. You're calling it a mountain. Yeshua said light affliction. But he says that the light affliction that we go through is working in us a more heavier way to glory. Therefore, we come back to Paul. He says, therefore what? Therefore, I'd rather. He says, rather. That means I'd rather do this. I'd rather suffer so that the glory of God can be built up. Glory of God that you can be more mature to the point where storms does not matter. So peace, again, in the midst of your storm, and we know it's not a cliche, and we know that, who was I talking to this morning? Oh, Tom. Yeah. Was it Tom? Somebody I was talking to that says that peace in the midst of the storm is just, uh, um, no, was it Gus? It was Gus. Peace in the midst of the storm is, uh, is holding on to Yeshua. Well, yes, it is. But we see that the understanding of, of what it really means and how we're supposed to do this. How we're supposed to have that peace of Yeshua. I'm going to go back again. I want to make sure I distinguish. There is a peace with God, and there is a peace of God. You want that peace of God with you. You're taking the peace of God with you wherever you go. Now, you already have it. 
Remember when Yeshua said, my peace I leave with you, don't forget, Yeshua also said that he give you what? His Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit in you, one of his jobs is to give you that peace. A lot of times, we're not taking the peace. Maybe we like the sparks. I don't know, you know. But we need to stop saying that we don't have peace. Because then you're negating what Yeshua says in John 14, 27. If he says his peace, he leaves with you, then you have it. It's the same thing about love that we see in, in uh, I think it's Hebrews uh, 10, 5 or 5, 10. Sometimes I get those two verses mixed up. Where Yeshua says that his love is shed abroad in your heart. Takes away all the excuses of why you can't love. You can never say as a believer that you can't love. I'm going to go there. I'm going to go here right now. If you keep saying that, you might not be a believer. Why, why am I saying that? You're negating the word of God. Word of God says that God's love is shed abroad in you. I remember when I first saw that, and it convicted me, you know, for people that you might think you can't love. But let me tell you what it does. It also releases you, releases you, because the excuse is gone. It's gone. You can love. You can love the worst person because it's not your love. It's the love of God that's shed abroad in your heart. And you can't say you can't love. It's the same thing. You can't say you don't have peace because if you have Yeshua, you have peace. You're choosing not to walk in the peace of God, that peace, peace of God. So I don't know if you can see that there, but again, the, um, so this, this, this peace is kind of broken out into uh, five kind of words. We'll talk about it real quick. So the first P is for providence. It says providence. His purpose brought me here. Think about this. Providence. Wherever, if you're a child of God, God's providence is over you. And therefore, we could always say that his purpose brought you where you are. Remember, the disciples weren't in the storm in Galilee because they were outside the will of God. Because Yeshua himself told them to go across the Galilee. Now, I've got to put a little balance to this. It does not mean that if you were in the will of God, that you're not going to have any storm. I'm just saying that God's providence is in your storm. God's providence is in there. Now, we don't have to go far. We know the stories that we, that we see in the Old Covenant Scriptures with Joseph. Everybody knows the story of Joseph. God's providence had him thrown in a pit. God's providence had him be sold to Egypt. God's providence had him in jail. We saw all that. God's providence. What's the second one? second one is E. I don't know if you can read that. N. Entreaty, his prayer protects me here. So God's providence have you where you are, and then his prayer, we just saw that, right, will protect you where you are. The next letter is what? A, assurance. How about God is with you in your circumstances? We know Hebrews 13, Hebrews 13, let me, let me get that. Hebrews 13, I think. It says, let your manner of life be without covetousness and be content in such things as you have. For he has says, I will never leave you. Why do we read that and somehow turn it around? That tells me God says, if I'm here, God's here. If I'm in the storm, God's in the storm. When I'm sleeping, God's right there with me. I'm on the Chesapeake Bay sailing, he there. I'm in the office working, he is there. So then, why? 
when we get into an issue or a problem, first thing we want to say, but where is God? Where did he disappear to? I don't feel him. Oh, he don't love me no more. Why? He just said right there that he will never leave nor forsake thee. Now, the way I see that means that I may be trying to get away, and God's like, I got you right there. Come on, you ain't going nowhere. Got you there. Come on back. God's right there with me wherever I am. I think it's in the book of Isaiah. Then it talks about how you can't escape from the presence of God. And let me give you a little bit of insight. If you're a believer, let me just tell you, God got you like I, I, crazy glue. Is that what the one going? That's thing that stick on you and you can't get away? He got you. Therefore, when you're in a problem, see, you got to change things around a little bit. When something comes up, okay, God, I'm here with you. You're here with me. What you going to do? See, what you going to do? Not what I'm going to do. What you going to do, God? What you going to do? Because like I always say, let me tell you something. Red Sea moments are the best times of your life. I know somebody want to shoot me down right now. You know why it's the best time of your life? Because you can see God come through in a more powerful way when you can't move. You ain't got nowhere to go. I like Red Sea moments. You know what? Because it takes me out of the picture. Because I can't fix it. You think if the children of Israel could have fixed it, they wouldn't have fixed it? Yes, they would. We see the example. Red Sea moment. God is always with you. Always with you. His presence comes with you. We see the example with the, with the, with the, with the disciples. God was right there with them in the boat. Second example we saw that he saw he was praying for them. I found a, a phrase that Corey Ten Boone uh, wrote that I thought was very interesting. He says, if you look at circumstances, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at Yeshua, you'll be at rest. Don't you like that? Now, I didn't make that up, so I ain't taking no, no credit. I just pu I pulled that. I got to read it again, though, because it's so good. If you look at your circumstance, you're going to be distressed. If you look within, you're going to be depressed. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's funny. I'm sorry. But if you look at your shoe, you'll be at rest. There you go. So stress is that measure of the degree to which you have your eyes on the storm and not on God. Stress is the level of which you have your eyes on the storm, not on God. So when you take your eyes off your shoe, you put it on the problem, there you go. Um, let me bring this in for a landing. So oh, C, comfort. C is comfort. His power enables me to be here. God's power enables you to be there. So the word comfort, real quick, has two parts. Come, which means with, and forth, which means strength. So it means to be with someone that has strength. You're with someone that has the dudamus. The power, strength. I'll give you a quick little story. So I'm the youngest of four boys and the shortest and smallest. I'm just, I'm just that way. I'm just sorry. I know. It's all right. It's all right. That's the way God made me. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. My eldest brother was a bodybuilder, you know, average height bodybuilder. And me as a little kid looked up to him. See, I still do. It's kind of funny. And as a kid, when I was like about between five, eight years old, I would go with him certain places. And I felt like I was just the baddest dude on the planet. Me. Just because I felt nobody could beat my brother because he's so big, bodybuilder, big muscles. And I would hold his hand 
And I felt like, come on, y'all mess with me now. Just bring it on. Why? Because on a physical level, I was with somebody who I thought nobody could beat. He was the biggest dude in terms of bodybuilding in the village. Won a lot of competition. I still got pictures I can show you. I see you smiling over there, Steve, but I'll show it to you. I got some pictures, some black and white. They're cool black and white pictures. But the point I'm trying to make is if I'm with a physical person and I'm feeling so comfortable that I, I ain't got no problem. I should love to go with, 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 with my brother. I tag along wherever he go. I won't go with him. As a kid, I just won't be with him. Because to me, I was like, when I'm with him, I ain't got to worry about nothing. Think about the master of the universe. Think about God. When you're with God, you're supposed to be even, come on now. Come on. Come on. And we got, we got time to worry and we with God? I'm sorry. Comfort sustains us. Last one. Expectation. Expectation. His promises assures me. You know, God doesn't have to explain everything to us. You know, I've been through a, a, a phase in my, in my Christian walk where I was trying to understand, trying to. And then I got to the point where I realized that's not what God calls me to, to understand everything. I realized that God says, this is, I didn't say it, some secret things, what did he say, James? Belong to him. They belong to him. It, I, it, it always, I get on pins and needles when I read the, 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 the discourse between Job and God. It just, it humbles me. God said to Job, Job, you know, Job thinking you're all righteous. Oh, God, what? God said, well, come, come here, come here, come here. Buckle up yourself like a man. Come talk to me now. Where were you when I laid the foundation? Do you know where Leviathan lived? Can you understand how the snow comes? See, God is so awesome above all that you can imagine. You can't figure him out. He didn't expect you to figure him out. He expects you to just be amazed of his power. That's what God wants you to be, amazed of this God you serve. And be in constant amazement, constant wonder, because he says that his awesomeness is beyond comprehension. So I'm going to say, for my own self even, the more you get to know God is the more you have to wonder. God, I didn't know. You got to be like Job. God, I didn't know. Now I know. Now I know how powerful you are. Now I can see how good you are. Now I can see how loving you are. Now I understand in my little puny mind and my pride that wants to tell me I know stuff. God, but I didn't know, but I depend on you. So we see that, look, at the end of the day, yes, Gus, that peace in the midst of the storm is holding on to Yeshua. But you grasp Yeshua and hold on to Yeshua when you understand all what he does for you. All what he does for us when we're not looking. When we're going about our business and you think about it, that God is still with you. It doesn't matter where you are. You cannot escape from the presence of God. You can try to do a Jonah. He got you. No matter where you go. So to wrap this up again, you know, peace is in the middle of the storm. It's to walk with Yeshua. Last thing, you know, they have this, uh, there's a, there's a, what's it called? I've seen it many places called uh, footprints in the sand of time. And I might not remember this clearly, but where you see the footprint and the guy's like, um, I see, I forgot how that goes. I see one footprint, two sets of print, then only one. Remind me how that goes, James. But where 
that Yeshua was carrying when he only saw the one. And we have to get that understanding that Yeshua carrying us. Just like he didn't leave the disciples by themselves, he saw them, he's praying for them. But remember, the hope is that, that it will quicken your mind to remember you're not alone. You're not alone when you're going through anything that you're going through. You're just not alone. You're walking with the baddest man on the planet. You're walking with Yeshua. Therefore, you can lift your, high, your head high and say, what problem? Was there, was there a problem? I don't remember it. Because you can't focus on the problem as we all. So, Lord, I just want to thank you that you're just reminding us of your goodness. You're reminding us, Lord God, of all what you do for us. Even in times when we're not seeing that we know that you're still working. We know Yeshua said, my father works. Now work. So, look, the, the hope is that, that as you go through any other problems, anything in your life, try to remember, you're not alone. Yeshua's praying for you. You got the master of the universe with you. You ain't got no excuse. You can speak to the problem. We got all this stuff that we need to remember. Remember the Bible talks about renewing our minds daily. See, the problem is we, we, we are human beings. We keep forgetting. We go through stuff, and yet we forget. So, I just pray that God will keep uh, reminding us of his goodness always.